this is absolutely one of the things that um, I wish I knew earlier, right? Um, in order to you know, make your way in society, it, it actually requires you to turn outward um, and really listen to what other people around you need. From sunny California, welcome to the Vision of the People podcast, a show about visionaries from various industries who share their inspiring stories and give advice to people wanting to make an impact on the world. As always, I'm your host, Rushi, like sushi with an R, and on today's episode, we talk with the incredible Gary Tan in San Francisco. Gary is a designer engineer, and investor in early-stage startups. He's the co-founder and managing partner of Initialized Capital, an early-stage venture capital fund that was earliest investor in Coinbase and Instacart. They have over $500 million in assets under management, and their startups have created more than $23 billion in market value in the past seven years. Gary was previously a partner at Y Combinator, where he invested in and directly work with over 700 companies in five years from the earliest possible stages, often just an idea. Before that, Gary co-founded Posterous and helped build it to a world-class website used by millions, later acquired by Twitter. Gary also co-founded the engineering team for Palantir Technologies' quant finance analysis platform and designed the current Palantir logo and wordmark graduated from Stanford in computer systems engineering in 2003. I still think this intro does not do justice to Gary Tan's profound journey into tech. Certainly hope you enjoy this one as much as I did. All right, uh, welcome to another episode of Vision of the People podcast. Today I have someone, I'm pretty, it's pretty surreal that I'm sitting in front of him actually. Uh, I've looked up to him, I'm following him on Twitter. Um, his journey has been Incredible. Um, super glad to have you on the show, Gary. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. So I'm going to dive right into the questions um, here in San Francisco in this beautiful office. You, I think you really have one of the most exciting jobs in the world. Um, I actually rode one of your products that you invested in Skip today in the, oh, in the morning awesome. through San Francisco. So uh, making some big moves. But for those that are not familiar in the, in the venture capital arena um, and technology investments, what exactly do you do? What is initialized? The mission? Um, and how does a typical day look like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're venture capitalists, and uh, I think the biggest, you know, sort of shocking thing to me um, as I grew older was that um, just this realization that there is actually a lot of money in the world. It's just that normal people don't ever get to access it, which mm. is, uh, you know. But then there's this. Um, actually, it's almost a sad irony to it. Um, you know. The institutions and the people who do actually hold that capital, uh, the one thing they want is for that capital to grow. And the only way that capital actually grows is by um, new business activity that's valuable. So, you know, new services, new goods, new software. Um, I mean, that's basically purely how um, you make the pie bigger, actually. And then um, to me, that really happens through technology. So being able to make uh, things that are better, faster, cheaper than uh, the alternatives that are already there. And so, you know, I think the arc of history largely is about that, um, that, you know, technology comes with um, 
you know, it's not always all good. Clearly, you know, we live in that age where we're sort of, you know, realizing that there's a cost to it. Uh, at the same time, I'm still very much a technological optimist when it comes to this stuff. And so, you know, what a venture capitalist does is um, basically take capital that is actually in abundance and just very, very hard to access. Mm. And, uh, you know, our mission is to try to make that more accessible to uh, founders who are great designers, engineers, and product people. Uh, so people who can actually make great stuff. Um, and this is in contrast to the traditional set of people who usually find it very easy to raise money, which is, uh, I don't know, people who are good at raising money. <laughs> and so, you know, that's sort of the, the, the classic conundrum for us as investors is that, um, and, you know, my value prop as an investor today, you know, there are a lot of investors out there um, and they love investing in things uh, post-product market fit. And um, for us, our trick is that let's find people who are great uh, designers, engineers, and product people. We can evaluate them by what they've built. And uh, let's try to give them um, the capital they need to grow their businesses. And so, you know, that's, um, you know, at once both venture capital and how we're trying to do it um, a little bit differently. Absolutely. And, and, and it's been an exciting journey, to say the least, um, you know, following along. So, I mean, your story, you know, from getting your first job in tech at 14 through cold calling, uh, teaching how to, people how to build websites in your, you know, people who were in their 30s when you were just 17 um, to now becoming a prominent leader in the, in the venture capitalist um, world and in the startup world indeed. So, you know, you've really forged your way through Silicon Valley and something I was mentioning earlier, like, how did you know that you wanted to be in tech all along? You know, did you grow up here? You know, what were the factors that you considered? Yeah, totally. I mean, I actually, uh, you know, frankly, growing up, uh, you know, my childhood was not the easiest and that, um, you know, I actually moved a lot. Uh, my dad had trouble uh, keeping a job mm -hmm. and um, I ended up, you know, sort of having to make friends all the time uh, very quickly. But that turned out to be pretty handy later because yeah. I have to talk to people all of the time <laughs> at this point. Um, but, you know, I was 14 years old. Uh, we didn't come from money. My parents were both, um, you know, first-generation immigrants. Um, and, you know, it's incredibly difficult to come to a new country and not know anyone and um, really be like in, a foreigner in a strange land. And so, you know... Um, watching them struggle. I mean, we lived in um, apartments most of my childhood, uh, you know, often didn't have quite enough to eat. And, um, you know, when I was 14, what I realized, you know, watching TV, watching Star Trek The Next Generation, really, um, <laughs> is that, well, you know, technology is the thing that um, allows us to make new things. And so, you know, Star Trek The Next Generation is this, like, hyper-futuristic view of you know, technology being able to solve all problems. Um, and then at the same time, I watched this um, great, fantastic, but very, very dated documentary now. It's actually on YouTube if you search for The Machine That Changed the World. Okay. Uh, it's a five-part series on PBS. And um, it really sort of walks you through the early days of computing. And so um, the most important thing to me was that, you know, part of the reason why we're, you know, you could argue we're, you know, in a modern or postmodern society today and like we get to sit here talking about ideas and um instead of sort of you know uh, subsistence farming someplace hmm. you know <laughs> um, it really comes back to the innovation of uh, the book which is actually you know of course communication technology um, this ability to uh, record things on a piece of paper and have someone else read it 
and uh, sort of skip ahead, really. Um, and so if we think about that, that took some, you know, probably, I mean, most of human history is actually marked by exactly that, you know, communication technology and that we call the time before writing prehistory because nobody remembered what it was like. There were no stories, no knowledge passed on. And so, you know, you think about the whole you know, time that we call history that was brought about by the book and the written word. Um, the sort of next stage really is uh, the computer, which in a lot of ways is the infinite book. And so um, that was, you know, I think episode two of five or something. Wow. Sort of talking through that, the historical context for what a computer truly is. Um, and, you know, it was lucky that I also loved computer games and, uh, you know, I... But kind of put two and two together and just realized, hey, you know, I really love computers. I would probably do this stuff for free. Um, but, you know, um, as it turns out, the past couple decades, um, you know, you don't have to do it for free. In fact, it's uh, one of the things that society wants the most. Um, and so I, I view that as very much a form of winning the lottery, like being into computers at the right time. Uh, was kind of, it, it, really, it truly was like winning the lottery. Wow. I mean, I think that's a that's a perfect segue um, into my next question. Uh, you know, there's a good amount of people my age who graduate who are who, who I would like to say are optimistic, energetic, um, and show a lot of potential. But there is some, you know, they're kind of rudderless, which doesn't exactly mean like not being goal oriented, but like you know, they don't really want to. They don't they don't understand where they want to go. Kind of mm-hmm. like what you said, where you know the computers. So like, how do we find our north star? This sort of aligns to maybe with, like, how do you fund the next great company that totally. goes on, you know, if you can expand on that. I guess the, the thing that probably helped me the most, and this was something I, I don't know, literally had to read from a book at some level because, um, you know, that wasn't something that, it, it was very unnatural for me. Um, but luckily I found this book very early. It was um, a 1920s book called How to Win Friends and influence people uh, Dale by Carnegie. Dale Carnegie, yes. which, um, I don't know, um, if you read it, it reads like, you know, uh, basically this very basic instruction manual for like mass consumption, but it turned out to be very, very valuable in that um, it really directs people um, away from their inner self and like the things that they want um, to, you know, the outer world, actually. Um, like how you, you know, basically it aligns um, you with what society actually is. Um, and so, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we want our own needs met, but, you know, um, but, but, but society sort of exists in order for us to interface with that. And mm. if we meet the needs of others, then we get our needs met, needs met by, you know, by 10x, you know, by 100x, right? Like that's... Uh, one of the things that really drew me to Y Combinator and that's why I applied to it when I was starting a company and it was my privilege um, likewise to become a partner there and investment partner and to learn to invest um, alongside them Um, but you know on the very first day of Y Combinator you get a t-shirt that says make something people want Hmm. and um, interesting turn of phrase and that if you remove any part of that it sort of breaks right like you know, the first part obviously is make something. And so, you know, to me being an engineer, like that was always really valuable. Like being able, you know, um, you for instance are looking at, um, you know, uh, you have a business background, um, but you're also interested in technology Absolutely. and sort of pro- a product management role. Mm-hmm. And so that's where, 
you know, that's where it gets very interesting because the PM role is a role about building and it's actually about um, going out and uh, figuring out what other people want and then doing that first part, which is uh, how should we solve it? And mm. what are the specific features and what's the prioritization involved in that? Um, and so, I don't know, for that one, like, I actually just gave a 90-minute talk on, uh, on this at Y Combinator Startup Design, school. right? Yeah, about yeah. design, but it's actually also about product. This yeah. is, you know, it's all of these disciplines are actually highly integrated. Um, and so that's, I don't know, I mean, long, that's a long way to answer the question, which is like, well, what, you know, what did I, this is absolutely one of the things that um, I wish I knew earlier, right? Um, in order to, you know, make your way in society, it, it actually requires you to turn outward um, and really listen to what other people around you need. And uh, it's also a common problem for founders or people who want, you know, really, really want to start a company, but they don't have an idea yet. Um, and that's an incredibly common situation, but the answer is basically the same. It's that, um, you know, take a moment and listen, and you will find that there are a lot of problems uh, out there in society um, or in business or in you know, virtually everywhere you go, there are problems to be solved. And if you listen, you'll hear the problem. And uh, if you're capable of building, then you'll build a solution. That, that actually reminds me of a, of, a, of a wonderful quote. I'm not sure if it was Gandhi or if it was MLK, but it essentially said, uh, in the service of others lies your own happiness. Yeah, I totally agree. So, I mean, that's... Um, yeah, far wiser people than me. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely true. <laughs> well, you said something very similar. So, uh, so let's talk cryptocurrency. Something um, you know that's up and coming, and very exciting. There's you know many digital currencies platforms growing um, day by day. You know, how do you see mass scale adoption being played out for say the average Joe to use these currencies to trade? So, if you if you can give us a roadmap, if you will, you know steps needed to make digital currencies become a norm in society. Totally. Yeah, I mean, right now, um, it is basically, you know, pure speculation. So mm -hmm. a bunch of people who were early into a thing um, get to, you know, basically brag about their Lamborghinis that they were <laughs> able to buy. But if we look at the total use case for, uh, for it, other than like the pure payments case for Bitcoin, you could argue, um, there's not a lot of use beyond uh, store of value. Mm. But, um, you know... I would argue that we're basically still in 1994, 1995 uh, with the internet. You know, um, Netscape had just come out. Um, world, the World Wide Web was brand new. Yeah. Uh, normal people, you know, didn't even know what the internet was, let alone had access to it. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're just so early in this sort of, you know, time. Um, but what really drew us to cryptocurrency, obviously, was that um, there's this chance to basically, you know, have a Turing, you know, Ethereum really captured my attention in that um, there's this idea that it could be uh, a Turing complete language that would let you build um, anything. And so as an investor at Y Combinator, we got to see the dawn of Airbnb. Uh, we got to see the dawn of Instacart um, and, of course, of Coinbase. Coinbase. Um, but, you know, even Instacart is a very interesting case. I mean, or Uber, like take any of these examples. Um, it's really about aligning um, things that are just latent out there. Like there are people out there who um, had spare bedrooms and they were just sitting there, right? Um, 
or likewise people have their cars sitting in their garage and like they wanted to make money hmm. um, or and and or people wanted rides it's like just this very simple straightforward alignment of interest um, when you can create a marketplace that um, you know basically you know that's sort of like the magic of uh, what software is capable of doing and not just software but software that also has an you know sort of they call it online to offline component or um, you know, really mobile workforces, another way that people talk about it. But, um, you know, the, that's not the magic. The buzzword is not the magic. The magic is that you're taking two sides of people, like demand and supply, mm-hmm. and you're putting them together um, in a way that, you know, um, you know, the link to cryptocurrency is that these things are basically trustless, actually. So, um, but for uh, Airbnb, it was that you could go on this platform and uh, look at a beautiful photo, see the reputation of the host, see all the other people who had stayed there. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, you yes, you were trustless in that you had never met this person or you'd never been to that place, but you could trust that if you put your money in, you would have a good experience and vice versa. And so, you know, that to us is a very fundamental kind of mag- magic that... You know, it's hard to believe that that didn't exist before. Um, mm. But, you know, I remember when it didn't exist because back when that startup, Airbnb, was a very small startup, um, most people actually said, why would I ever stay at, you know, a stranger's a home? A stranger's house. Right? And it's like, I'm going to stay at a hotel. Yeah. Um, and so that's the crazy thing that we've seen over and over again. Like, um, things go from this thing that no one thinks could be real and then over time, um, if you've created something that aligns interest in the right way mm-hmm. um, you know not only do you create something that um, well creates a lot of value like there, Absolutely. You know, I'm sure there um, while bad things may have happened through like Airbnb I'm sure a lot more good things have happened like people have gotten married or like yeah. you know, friendships formed that would never have formed like because Airbnb exists yeah. um, and so if you flash forward a little bit um Cryptocurrency, but you know, I think I would argue things like smart contracts in particular hmm. um, hold the promise for software eating money, right? Hmm. And then also uh, being able to sort of represent that type of marketplace, right? You know, Bitcoin uh, basically represents payments, and that like two people, you know, they're, they're fungible tokens that um, you know serve as payments, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you can two people don't have to trust each other and you don't need a third party um, intermediary. And so, you know, if Bitcoin is doing that for banks, then I fully expect that there will be um, initially very sort of strange use cases similar to what Uber was or what Airbnb was. Um, But for um, a purely decentralized, you know, marketplace that's a medium of exchange. Um, And so that's, roughly what I think will happen mm-hmm. then again in 1995 like that's kind of like asking well what will be the dominant uh, things out there and um, so that that is also what makes uh, the job of being a venture capitalist very hard because I think you know most people would be pretty hard pressed to say that um, there's an you know there's a e-commerce version of uh, you know bookstores and mm. that's going to you know turn into uh, what Amazon. Amazon is today in 2018, like that, you know, it would have been very difficult to tell that that was what was going to happen. Um, but you know, m- uh, my sense is that something like that is going to happen, um, and those teams are getting formed right now. 
little exciting time for us. I know we're short on time. So at a you know faster pace, I want to cover our last few questions so we can let you go. Um, so wouldn't it be a tech conversation if I didn't ask a contrarian question? Um, something that's you know intrigued me ever since I read it, I think it was Peter Thiel who was the first one to mention it, but it's like, what do you know, you know that is true that no one else agrees upon? Hmm. Well, I mean, the most obvious one that uh, we touched on a little bit earlier about... Um, you know, why I'm a VC and what we're trying to do with initialized capital. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, most people, especially people from the finance world, say it's uh, too much money chasing too few good people and too few good ideas. And um, that's like almost a maxim. It's like a trope. It's just, you know, repeated so often that people believe that it's true. Yeah. Um, But I don't know. My whole career and my life has basically been a testament to the opposite of that. Like, yes, I totally agree that there's infinite sort of, you know, way too much money, right? Um, but I think that there are actually an incredible number of very, very smart, talented people. And we see that, I, you know, when I was a partner at Y Combinator, I saw that very viscerally And that, you know, I was part of the application process reading, you know, thousands wow. of applications. And um, there truly are, you know, a limitless number of smart people. Like, the, you know, humans are incredibly smart, actually. <laughs> Um, and then if you just walk outside, certainly here in San Francisco, you can walk outside and immediately see how broken the world is. Um, and so actually, you know, if there are infinite numbers of smart people and there's, um, an infinite, um, you know, amount of money and there are infinite problems, then, um, surely you would live your life in a different way. <laughs> so surely, like, capital should be allocated in a different way. Um, and yet it is not. So it's my mission to do something about that. Powerful. Um, I'm loving it. So uh, last few questions, uh, Pastor Note. Um, is initialized your, you know, you know, proudest achievement till date? Or, you know, how do you define success? Because you've hit so many points across your journey and it seems like you're just getting started. But, you know, how, how do you define success? That's a really good question. I mean, well, now I'm a dad, so now what I realize is, um, yeah, there's definitely more to life than work alone. Um, There's also family, and, you know, that involves being present. So, you know, probably that will be, (laughs) I think that, you know, I think that that's probably going to be um, the most important thing. Um, And, you know, on the one hand, that sounds trite. On the other hand, you know, if I told that to the 18-year-old version of myself, I'd probably be like wow what what did you do to gary um on the other hand like once you don't really understand it until you have um your own child i guess um and then related to that is what kind of world are we going to leave behind so that's um the other part of what i want to do that you know i think we're just in the early innings of um if we can solve how capital is allocated then you know we can take a lot of these people who you know, should be working on better things and we'll put them in the place where they were meant to be. Um, and hopefully we'll solve a bunch of these problems. Absolutely. So I guess uh, you covered great points, you know, gave tangible advice for us on solving hard problems, um, solving for each other. Um, and then last 30 second round, it's called this or that section. I'm going to ask you, you know, you know, two options. You just spit one real fast. Um, so here we go. Uh, walking or running? <laughs> running, definitely. Rain. Life is too short. <laughs> <laughs> rain or sunshine? Mm, I think you learn more in rain. 
Moon or Mars? Uh, Mars is farther, so it's harder. Yeah. Okay. Uh, ability to fly or read minds? Hmm. Probably read minds because that would be pretty handy as an investor. <laughs> creativity or structure? I think creativity, but that's just my that's my bias. A building or executing? I guess like what's funny is I think of both as basically the same. Um, so both. <laughs> okay. Um, and then the last one, honey badger or lion? Ah, uh, well, I gotta choose honey badger. <laughs> Well, it's been an absolute pleasure, um, Gary. Thanks so much for your incredible time. Um, we look up to you. I certainly do. Um, and this has been an absolutely surreal uh, meeting. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. That was Gary Tan, co-founder and managing partner of Initialize Capital. Go Honey Badgers. We really hope you enjoyed that. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Please like us on Facebook at Vision of the People Podcast. And do give your thoughts to me at Lil Rushi Shaw on Twitter on who I should have next on the show. If you found this insightful or interesting, share it with someone that could find this helpful. As Mahatma Gandhi once said, you must be the change you wish to see in the world. Till next time, keep striving. Keep striving.